What if you just started the episode about the tutors with me just being like, Mindy Kaling is Dax Shepard. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like that is, that's why I brought us here today for the Patreon. <laughs> we'll do the unfiltered for the Patreon because I don't want to get murdered on accident. Hey friends, this is Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous, where we analyze pop culture through the lens of race or gender, and sometimes both. I'm your host, Julia Washington, and if you're new around here, I am a biracial writer and podcast host based in California. When I'm not facilitating the Jelly Pops Book Club, or recording this podcast, painting greeting cards, or pouring candles, I'm teetering on existential dread and trying to convince my dog to snuggle. In this episode, I am joined by my friends Alrinthia Carter and Natalie Katona. They heavily influenced me to watch The Tudors recently, and then I convinced them to come on the show so we can discuss, because Henry VIII is, well, he is the model for all things misogyny and imperialism. And I either forgot the British history I learned or just didn't fully pay attention. Regardless, this was a great chat and it's longer than an hour. So buckle up, Buttercup, because we take you through a wild ride of the British monarchy. Okay, here we go to the show. So in 2008, the New York Times Review had this to say about the Tudors. So this is leading into their second season. So Showtime's already given them one season, and now we're going into season two, and this is what the Times Review had to say. No matter how much sex the Tudors has given us, Henry's behavior as a member of the Emperor's Club VIP proceeds unabated. This season, it is a show that never gets quite dirty enough. And then later in the review, they say the paradox of the Tudors is that it takes on one of the most powerful and protested institutions in human history, the Catholic Church during the Renaissance, and provides little sense of what the English people have to gain or lose by breaking with it. Uh-huh. And so, okay. the, so hold on. So the writer goes into okay. detail about Henry's erratic behavior and how it makes sense. But if you ask me... Jonathan Reese Myers is Henry VIII feels like you plop him into 2023 and he's going to fit right in. <laughs> so like I mentioned in the intro, the series lasted four seasons and we get all six of Henry's wives and we are gathered here today with some of the smartest people I know who know the Tudor's history better than I do. These are our Tudor's experts. I'm a Windsor expert, which is same family, but different. So we have our tutors cousins. here, cousins, <laughs> yeah. debatable, <laughs> to discuss I, the I tutors as well. Oh, I love that. Alrinthi is like our crossover, which I love. Listen, <laughs> I'm ready to expand. Yes. <laughs> but I can only have horny daydreams about Anne Boleyn for so long before it's like, am I still just 13 years old at heart? <laughs> like, Right. So you had a reaction to the review, Natalie. So instead of talking about whether or not we like this show, why don't you give me what your reaction was? Because you made a face. Oh, 
It's because, okay, so number one, because I have no concept of time, I assumed that, like, everything that gave me, like, sexual feelings in my bathing suit parts, I was watching the Tudors when I was 12. But you said 2008, which means that I was a fully-fledged senior in high school, if not graduated from high school, drooling over Natalie Dormer, being like, what's that feeling deep inside? And so when they said there's not enough sex in the show, I was like, I used to watch the Tudors like it was, in fact, porn. (laughs) Late at night, late at night, by myself, (laughs) by myself. There was no one look at me. No one talk to me. It's my porn time. (laughs) I mean, it's a it's got a lot of really good (laughs) moments where you're just like, hello, nudity. All of it. There's so many boobs. And for two, that's the thing that kills me because I'm like, I don't remember it it reminds me of the time and maybe I'll run through you, you also remember this as well where it was very like in at least in the church community very controversial to subscribe to HBO and Showtime because it was risque because of all the yeah. nudity and because of all the sex and it's going to cross over to network TV and we must stop it <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i remember I mean, I, when I was in college, you can have a, 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 not a prescription. Oh my God. A subscription. <laughs> a prescription. Maybe I do need maybe a prescription. Pres- yeah. I maybe we do need a prescription. Yeah. I had a subscription. It was like $12 a month. Mm-hmm. Got it for sex in the city mm-hmm. and, um, and real sex, which came like on like right after, I believe. I think mm-hmm. so. And it yeah. was like real sex was like crazy because it was just like, so it's not like porn, but it is about sex, and there's like all these naked people, but they're like older naked people, so yeah. it's not fun to watch, you know. <laughs> but you still watch it because you like, watch, yeah. You know what else are you gonna? What else are you gonna do, right? So, yeah. yeah. I, I so my mom was one of those moms who every time Comcast tried to get wild with us, she would call and scream, and we got free premium cable. Nice <laughs> and um so we had premium cable a lot and as we know i didn't sleep when i was a teenager i instead chose to catfish men on the internet and so i would be up click clacking away (laughs) just development for me i'm sorry yeah i'm sorry you were actually part of the team when i started just bragging about how i catfish (laughs) but yeah click clacking away on gaia online like doing medieval fantasies on the internet with strangers and (laughs) I and the TV would always be on because I also don't like silence and I would know the exact moment it had like turned 1 a.m. because that's when Skinamax would go from Cinemax to Skinamax yeah. and you just hear the moaning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'd be like, ooh, better turn that off. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't like hard, it was like soft core. So it was like you yeah. really saw anything no, because you never saw anything that was the waist down it was no. all waist up and then if you did see full body shots it was you know they were already like connected so like you only mm-hmm. saw like the side of a butt or like the back of a butt like you never saw like full frontal genitals yeah so and unlike get- the two of you unlike the two of you like my my parents were devil people and they never i was wildly unsupervised with the tv so i saw tits ass all day every day like virgin suicides on repeat 
<laughs> in my home. Well, let's get to our topic at hand and just go into generally whether or not we liked the Tudor show. And since you two are more experts about the Tudor house than I am, the accuracy of it all. I, I think, yeah. I mean, I think like since I did do that recent rewatch, it definitely kept my attention. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was I knew it was coming because I loved the Tudors and I'd seen the show before, but it was like enough. And I think now that I'm like older than when it was on TV, I was actually interested in what like like the things like the pilgrimage of grace yeah. or the field of a cloth of gold. Like I think I feel like I just totally like glazed over those parts and was like, let's get back to Anne Boleyn and see yeah. what she's got going on. <laughs> or let's get to like some beheading. Let's get that mm. going. And so now I'm like, oh, now I get what the pilgrimage of grace was. Cause I was like, who are these dudes? Why are they mad at them? I don't know. Let's get back to What's going on in Ireland in the 90s? I still don't know. Watched all of Dairy Girls. Well, I disclosed to Jules that it was very apparent during my adult rewatch of The Tudors that I made it two episodes into Jane Seymour when this chick is boring and then stopped watching The Tudors when I was a child because I'm an Anne Boleyn stan. (laughs) Well, and comparatively between the two, Jane is like exactly what men want us to be the perfect virginal woman who's you know what's the word tepid is the only word that comes to mind yeah (laughs) Yeah. bland bland bland, super chill doting you know completely devoted and beautiful and i was like of course henry loves her the most because she was the least challenging of his wives she did not challenge his beliefs his actions nothing and she gave him a son so of course he's horny for her for the rest of his life yeah i mean she died because her, well, like, yeah. her brother and her dad were like, you know, assholes. But she tried. She tried, and he was like, mm, "No, we're gonna shut that down real quick, mm-hmm. real quick." <laughs> and Kate Howard, God love all fifteen years of her. Oh. She she also could have been the quote unquote perfect wife for Henry because, I mean, she didn't know anything to try and challenge him on anything. But then she got herself a boyfriend and I was like, it's always going to be Jane then. <laughs> it's just always going to be yeah. Jane. <laughs> yeah. But I think like his true match was actually Anne. Anne yeah. Boleyn. He didn't realize that until the end of it. You know, he killed her. But yeah. <laughs> he probably was like, okay, this chick was smart. Sure, he she only gave me a daughter, but she was exciting. Um, She basically helped me overturn uh, like this like, like church like presence in my country even though i didn't know what i was doing at the time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and so i i think Anne was his true match i mean but catherine of aragon i mean back in their like golden years she was pretty hardcore too so i don't know yeah i think by the end of the show i was so surprised by how much i felt catherine parr and Anne Boleyn had in common yeah, because they were both two very intelligent women who weren't afraid to be like, hey, guess who's smart? That's right, it's still me. And and also just, I read a really interesting article about Natalie Dormer and how she felt portraying Anne Boleyn. Mm. And she said, she goes, you know, they always wanna chalk her up to just being the seductive demon of a woman who just like had a hold on him and wouldn't give it up. And she goes, 
And what she really was was just like a really pious, probably also 17 to 19 year old who believed in God Mm -hmm. and loved God and probably did want to hold on to her virginity or whatever she was giving all those hand jobs for. And I wanted there to be like the duality between the nun uh, version of Anne Boleyn and the seductress. Well, and I think Catherine Parr really nails that because even though we don't see any intimacy between her and Henry, she is a little bit smarter, a little bit wiser about her like reformation belief system, right? Like Natalie Dormer's care, like Anne Boleyn is like, how dare you to whatever the secretary's name is who eventually get, they all get killed. They're all beheaded. This man can't keep some Cromwell. Thank you. This man can't keep anybody in his life anyway but like now you know Anne Boleyn confronts Cromwell in a way where you're just like ma'am you're gonna get murdered like this is not you need to be quiet <laughs> like yeah. and 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 not that I'm saying like oh shut up but in the way that she's very confident in her position as his wife and doesn't believe that anything ill will come to her versus Catherine Parr who's like number six who's like he's gonna behead me if he catches me so let's do this on on the slide like I got you girls like let's do this yeah well I have had men tell me that they've enjoyed me way like in my upper 20s compared to like my lower 20s and it's because yeah I understand that I was mouthier when I was 22 or 23 Mm -hmm. and then by the time I got to 29 29 i understood misogyny and the patriarchy and i learned how to gaslight you right back into giving me my way and i think that's the difference between anne boleyn and Catherine parr is that anne boleyn was just like i will scream i am 19 and i deserve to scream and he screams why can't i scream and Catherine parr was like and this is how we use our wits and we just manipulate them right back and everything's fine because she does eventually get caught. Mm-hmm. And Henry is like, I can't believe that man would talk about you that way. And as soon as someone was like, hey, that Anne gets a little bit mouthy, he's like, she does. And then she won't even get knocked up. And she's always looking at a map and it really makes me feel fragile. <laughs> She was always looking at a map. She was always looking at a map. (laughs) Reading a book. (laughs) I mean, I have to like admire her though. I mean, in those days, she was like, you know what? I, my body has power and I'm not just going to become your mistress. You have to marry me. Uh Uh-huh. Yes, and that was a fucking boss move. Go on, it continue. was. Yeah, and I'm sure she didn't think like, "Oh, this man is going to overturn a whole church for me." I don't. I feel like I honestly don't think that she thought it was going to go that far. Yeah, but I mean, all she wanted to be was like, "I don't want you to be able to like write me off. I want if you're going to have sex with me, I need to be your wife, and all of my kids need to be legitimate." I feel like that was like her initial thing, mm-hmm. and she got excited about you know the Reformation after that because she was a, a smart educated woman but I, I feel like she was like thinking like yeah I want to get I want to be married and if I'm going to be married if I have to get married to a man why not the most important man in the world at the time and at yeah. that point he hadn't killed anybody yet he hadn't like we didn't know that he was like completely willing to execute a woman <laughs> so- right her only flaw was the fact that she was number two essentially like yeah. The Tudors was a 
wild ride, y'all. I want to thank Orinthia Carter and Natalie Katona again for joining me today. These two women are brilliant and creative, and I encourage you to check out their work. Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous is written and edited by me, your host. And this was a bonus episode, so if you heard the full episode, that means you are a pal on Patreon, and I thank you so much for that. If you only heard the first 15 minutes or so, that means you haven't joined us yet on Patreon. Over there, you'll get one bonus episode a month, a bi-monthly happy social hour where we discuss current pop culture topics, and sometimes it's more like me offering a presentation of the pop culture things I've latched onto. And you get access to the back catalog of episodes that have in-episode bonus content. Just click the studio audience tier when you go to www.patreon.com slash Julia Washington. It's like buying me a cup of coffee every month, but specifically the coffee that keeps me awake while I'm editing this show. We're in December, which is one of my favorite times of year. I hope that as we head into the winter months, you find little bits of joy and happiness. For me, it's a time of reflection and finding new ways to learn and grow while watching silly romantic comedies cozied up in my fuzzy blankets. I appreciate y'all so much for tuning in. Until next time.